0: The following transmission contains unencrypted instances of explicit language. Mature audiences are cleared to proceed. Shall we begin?
1: In October of 2019, Todd Hostetler approaches his roommate David Mohajer with a proposal for a podcast about spy movies and television shows. It's a topic that we have long enjoyed discussing between ourselves as friends, and we thought it might make for a fun show. Five episodes are recorded and released simultaneously in February of 2020. I'm Todd,
0: and I'm Dave, and we like to talk about spy movies.
1: Almost a year later and still going strong, we're going to talk about the Spies Like Us podcast on this special anniversary episode of Spies Like Us. Well, congratulations, uh, to Dave, and thank you for hanging out with me on a, a full year of producing a podcast.
0: I, I'm, I'm definitely enjoying what we do. I, I have a lot of fun doing this, and I'm, I'm glad we made it a year. I think, we, <laughs> I think
1: I think we picked a good topic. You know, yeah. that that was that was one of my number one criteria is like find something that we would really actually want to do for a for a long period of time. Of course at first we just committed to three months. And that felt good.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then we said let's finish out a year and see where we're at there. And here we are. Still kicking.
0: And we still have a ton of stuff we can work on, so the list never ends. And we, have, we, we had some some of our fans send us in some emails of stuff they like. So uh we we've got plenty of material to cover. I don't think this show is gonna go anywhere.
1: Getting some fan feedback was our most recent like um mm, milestone kind of thing. And God, it felt good. Thank, thank you yeah. so much. It's it's weird. It's like it, you know, you can see the numbers on the downloads, and and they're they're decent. We're happy. We're we're happy to. There's probably a reason you don't like mention how many tablets you have. I've never heard anybody <laughs> do it, but but I'm going to because I'm super proud of us. We we just passed four thousand.
0: Yeah, big step for us.
1: Yep, and and the, the and the numbers are are going up faster. It's on an incline. I love it, I love it, I love it. Um what's uh I wanted to ask you uh to start this anniversary episode out in which we're gonna we're I mean we're gonna briefly just, you know, yank ourselves off about how much we love our podcast. <laughs> right. Just take a little look back. But then our main event is gonna be our spy versus spy uh brackets where we're gonna pit we're gonna we're gonna talk about who who's actually like the best spy, in uh, at least in the movies that we covered in 2020. At this point in time, listeners will have just heard our Day of the Jackal episode. It's not up yet as of the time of this recording, but I did just finish the edit on it. And Dave, I'm going to go
0: ahead and say I think it's our best. Really?
1: Yeah. We've been saying
0: that for the last several, so I'm pretty excited to hear it.
1: Yeah, I think I think I think we continue to get better at doing this. Um but yeah, we'll get to that first. I I just wanted to look at some of our some of our uh metrics. Of course, uh you know, our our podcast is all about analyzing tradecraft, but we do spend a little time, of course, you have to, just talking about what we liked or didn't like about the movie itself. And so we end up with a separate star rating for Dave and for myself of how much we personally like the movie. Uh, not trying to be film critic We're just giving our own personal opinions on that. And then we come mm-hmm. together and argue out our proper park bench rating. Park bench is, of course, going from uh, 1 to 5. Sometimes a .5 is needed <laughs> it has happened a couple times um on on just how accurate we think the tradecraft is that's represented in the film um so i i wanted to have fun looking at a few of those uh stats um but first of all i wanted to ask you what movie cuz we've we've found some movies while doing this podcast that we might have never come across if we hadn't been uh, into coming up with all these diverse angles and takes on the spy genre. What movie are you happiest to have found that you only found through doing this podcast? Uh,
0: Munich. Munich is pro cause I hadn't seen it. And uh I remember when it came out, I was kind of just done with Spielberg. <clears throat> but uh my mom, who I was surprised to have said she really liked it, and then you really hammered on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think Munich, because Munich was actually a really good movie. I, I really enjoyed watching it. Uh, it was a lot of fun. So I think I'm going to go with Munich for that one, because I actually had seen most of these Uh I had never seen The Man Who Knew Too Muches, both of them. Like, I had never seen The Man Who Knew Too Muches, both of them, because uh, I don't know why. I, I, I just never got around to it. So that being our first episodes was a lot of fun for me. Uh, just because I, I do enjoy like old cinema, you know, like classic cinema, I guess is what you would call it. Sure. And that was our first time like unpacking like for the show and like actually having like an articulate discussion about it. So that was a whole lot of fun. Uh, but I think Munich is something that I was most uh, intrigued by that I hadn't seen, but I, I pretty much a lot of these, it was just a rewatch. So it was fun to kind of go back and go like, Oh yeah, I remember this and seeing things that I'd forgotten
1: one of my uh one of mine is similar to yours It was a movie that uh well in this case I had just never heard of and I'm sure you would event- eventually brought it to my attention uh mm-hmm. was a most wanted man um mm-hmm. which is just absolutely one of my favorite movies uh in in that we did in twenty twenty um yeah I love that one but i think i'm gonna give i'm gonna give this prize myself to samurai spy because that's a movie I'm almost certain would never have come to my attention unless, (laughs) unless we've been along on this project, you know, of of actively trying to look for um, really diverse spy movies and thinking to ourselves, like, Oh, we got to find something foreign language and we got to find something pre cold war for Christ's sakes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Can we get something that's not cold war? Like, (laughs)
1: and samurai spy fits the bill so well especially since like it's it's it was made during the cold war and it's sensibility it's kind of taking these uh old japanese uh legends some you know mixed in with history and kind of reframing them in a very cold war uh mentality of like what was going on in the 60s uh so yeah Super, super excited to have found that one. I've always been hugely into Kurosawa, and it's nice to be reminded sometimes that you know there are other guy, other guys that were doing samurai movies in that in that era.
0: Yeah, and it wasn't just like a sword fight movie, you know. I think I think you brought this up in our episode that like uh, a, a lot of the samurai movies were kind of analogous to our westerns where hey it's just a shoot 'em up movie or it's just a sword fight movie but samurai spy has a lot more going on than just some sword fights yeah and uh yeah that was not to knock kurosawa because i mean he's definitely a cinematic master classic director uh but at that time that was you know kind of like that's that's all that was in the movies was like let's just get some sword fights in (laughs) you know
1: <laughs> right yeah and, and i think it was you, Jimbo that kind of ushered in a huge like audience thirst to see like a lot of blood splatter on the screen moving on let's talk really quick about the the best and worst tradecraft that we've ever seen in a movie uh based on our rankings looking back here um I, you know i don't think i don't think you'll have too much difficulty guessing what our worst was
0: <laughs> our man flint was was that it
1: uh spy kids is tied
0: oh yeah that's right yeah, yeah, yeah. spy kids that's right yeah Yeah,
1: we gave we gave both of those movies a 0. 0.5 uh,
0: <laughs>
1: i would say spy kids is you know i mean i'm not gonna parse it out deeper than than 0.5s and start getting into 0.25s and 0.37s etc but yeah. I would say Flint is kind of a nose ahead of Spy Kids Spy Kids to me is is really really just very very close to just not being a spy movie at all
0: right <laughs> a <different good> name.
1: <laughs> uh, our best tradecraft that we've given would be Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy with uh, 4.5 yeah. um Again, we gave Day of the Jackal, which was our most recent episode, uh, our very first five star, five park benches, Um, but doesn't quite count for this purposes of this conversation because here we just want to talk about things we did in 2020 and uh, Tinker Taylor. Yeah, rocking it with a 4.5 park benches. Very, very accurate, lovely John Correa kind of beautiful realistic stuff that we just love love talking about (laughs) i mean i love talking about the bad stuff but and the good stuff but the good stuff is definitely more fun
0: absolutely Uh, we had a lot of fun on that one i think we both watched that movie like seven eight nine times while we were prepping for the show because there was a lot to figure out there I, i had a lot of fun doing that one
1: now a movie doesn't have to be uh, a good movie to also have good tradecraft in it. Uh I looked at some numbers and our worst rated movie with the that had the best tradecraft in it with the, like the biggest difference between the two. You want to guess what that one was?
0: The company. Yeah.
1: Which isn't quite a movie, it's a miniseries, but right. like, we, treated, we treated each uh, as a movie and uh, definitely want to do some more TV shows in the future. I think we still haven't wrapped our heads around how exactly to approach TV series, but uh, we're going to get some practice on that. Sometime this spring, we do have Get Smart on the schedule and That'll be fun <laughs> yeah, I, am, I am looking forward to that um, how about How about the best movie with the worst tradecraft? What do you think
0: Um, Probably guessing just thinking back the Good Shepherd. Because I, I think I think we both kind of realized there wasn't as much as I had thought, even though that's probably my favorite spy film.
1: Actually, Dave, based on the numbers that uh, we have recorded here, um, The Good Shepherd kind of sits kind of in the middle. Um, there was a difference between... We did uh, rate the park benches a little lower than the overall quality of the movie, but not by that much. Um I uh, can give you a hint it's another T V series.
0: Oh, was it Garrick when we did Garrick? <laughs> definitely,
1: definitely. Yeah, because uh, yeah, we rocked out with full on fives for uh the Garrick character um mm-hmm. as as just loving him. But since so much of his tradecraft goes on off screen we didn't give him a super low park bench rating. He sits at a kind of a sort of a comfortable two, but uh-huh. just that gives us the biggest difference between uh, enjoyability and uh, you know things you should actually be taking notes from. Pretty pretty high difference there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the man who knew too little and our man Flint were the runners up in that category. Uh, not surprised by that. That being said, uh, just our absolute best, absolute best combination of star ratings and park benches. So the most realistic and the most enjoyable. What do you think?
0: Tinker Taylor?
1: Absolutely yeah <laughs> Munich and a Most Wanted Man come close behind on that one, and yeah, sorry, spy kids, you were not only in my opinion the least uh tradecraft worthy film that I watched for this podcast <laughs> in 2020 <laughs> I also just kind of didn't get it,
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: So yeah, all these all these numbers, they make sense to me. Uh last one before we get to our spy versus spy contest, uh the biggest split between you and me on our ratings of a film. Now, I'll tell you that we have yet to hit a bigger star rating difference between the two of us than one star. So for instance, like like one of us might have said something's a three and the other said it was a two. Or one might have said a five and a four. Those would be the biggest differences. Uh, what do you think were the biggest differences? Uh, where let's start with which what, what movies do you think I liked much much more than you, or significantly more than you?
0: Probably our man Flint.
1: That's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh.
0: Probably some of the Bond ones.
1: The Spy Who Loved Me is another one. Yep. And then there's a third one. This one is up on the high end. It's a movie where I gave it a five and you only gave it a four.
0: Oh, was it The Born Supremacy? Of course. Of course. Because that's like just
1: one of my favorite of all fucking time. Well, Uh, that's
0: how we swapped. My favorite, you gave a four and I gave a five.
1: And which one, Which ones were those? That was The Good Shepherd. And one more?
0: Oh, that I gave a five and you gave a four? Yep. Ooh. Was that A Most Wanted Man?
1: No, I think we liked that one. Let me check. I'm going to check real quick. I think we liked that one almost equally. A Most Wanted Man. Our star ratings were...
0: Oh, I see. Uh, it's- four, I and, four and four
1: and four point five. So yeah, we were both very we're both very hot on a Most Wanted Man, but neither of us made it our favorite movie. Right. But uh, yeah, I think you were about to say it.
0: Tinker Taylor, that's, I gave it a four and a half and you took a three and a half on it.
1: That's the one. Yeah. Even though yeah. I really, really, really did appreciate the performance. I mean, there's so much to love about this movie, but to me, there's something at the end of the day, little something about the soul of the movie kind of missing for me.
0: Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But. Also, it's kind of fun to look at those differences. I mean, clearly, and I don't think it comes to any surprise, uh, at least between the two of us, like I'm a little bit more game for some camp. Uh like uh with um, you know, I'm a little more forgiving of Bond and right. uh stuff like <laughs> our man Flint because I just I just I just enjoy being in on the joke, you know. Right. And, and it's fun <laughs> for me. Whereas Like, for you, doing those kind of movies seems like, um, you know, you're up for the challenge, but it feels like, uh, you know, you're just, like, eating your broccoli.
0: Yeah, pretty. (laughs) That's exactly how I feel, even though I do kind of like broccoli. But, yes, that's that's a (laughs) a, a good one. Not
1: not to slam on broccoli. Broccoli's fucking delicious, but that's just uh, the the
0: the, same. Yeah. that's funny no that's exactly how i feel uh, it's is a day at the job for me when we have to get to through some of those
1: meanwhile um, on the on the other end of things i think that i think that you because i think at the end of the day you really like tradecraft even more than i do and uh, it factors more into your star rating than it does for me
0: i would agree with that um yeah. other than i think uh like with company, I think we both felt as a story, it was like kind of average, but like we both appreciated the realism of the trade craft. So even though it does factor in for me a lot for my star rating, I can also recognize that like, okay, the story is not spectacular, but oh my God, look at this trade craft, you know, uh, it, it, it has happened, but I, I agree with you. I think sometimes it, it really gets to me sometimes. Like if it's done really, really well.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the company is like, like again, the biggest example of it just being kind of average as far as like a, a, a watching experience, but trade right. uh, tradecraft and especially like the, the uh, portrayal of historical stuff is, is quite good, quite interesting. And that is our little retrospective on movies that we've done through the lens of analytics here comes the exciting part we're gonna do uh several uh events several spy versus spy events now there's no way in hell that uh, you know originally kind of this came about like had this idea of like these brackets we would put like Dan Aykroyd in Spies Like Us against the kids from Spy Kids, like okay, who's better? And uh, yeah, that could be an interesting <laughs> conversation. But with all the characters we got, I mean, at some point it it just gets ridiculous, and you feel like, well, yeah. I mean, we could just rule some of these people out and just get to yeah. the dream. <laughs> yeah. So the newer okay. idea, the newer idea was uh, would break it up into uh, uh, categories, and uh, I asked you if there was anything you could do on our website to. Uh, help anyone that was sufficiently interested it's not critical but uh is there something on our website that people could check out to help them keep track of everyone we're talking
0: about absolutely just go to spieslikeus.net slash spy versus spy and the versus is just a vs so don't spell out versus so spy vs spy uh you'll find a full list of all the spies we're putting up against each other and they're separated in the different categories that we discussed Uh, Also, there's pictures of everybody and links to every episode uh, that we discussed on the film in case you feel a little bit lost or uh, you're not sure what we're talking about in this episode.
1: And the first one we're going to hit here is the Everyman character. And the, the Everyman character shows up in... The the everyman character actually first I think shows up as we discussed in our very first episode, which was a proto-spy movie. Not necessarily a spy movie. It's uh The Man Who Knew Too Much, uh 1934, I believe. Uh and in that era, like it was pr- virtually like I mean, I, I think we can find some exceptions which will be very exciting to talk about but virtually unacceptable alien to an audience's mind or to a movie maker's mind to make a spy the hero of your story yeah cuz spies are dirty right they're, e- they're evil they're wicked they're this is an era where you're looking at your heroes on the screen or your like uh, sheriffs with their shining gold star
0: yeah, the white be, hat versus black hat. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> right. The cowboy.
1: They would never shoot anybody in the back. They certainly would never lie about who they are to try to elicit information. Any of that stuff. This stuff was all like, just like dirty, dirty. But yeah, there is this proto spy era, and people credit Hitchcock in kind of like leading us up, getting us ready for James Bond. Where at least we start having these movies where uh the everyman, it's a character that through no fault of their own is kind of thrust into the world of international espionage and they just have to figure out how to swim. They're not trained right. for it. Uh and yeah, that's who they are.
0: The everymans are really interesting because after the whole proto-spy genre that you I I guess coined, uh we don't get a whole lot of them anymore. It seems kind of like a a lost plot device where you just throw someone into the situation. Um, but uh, I really, really looked at these, and I think the best examples of the Everymans were our first, the, the, the Man Who knew Too Much, both of them, versus like with Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase, it's just kind of like a ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. You know, versus the spy kids. Uh they're just kind of a kid's movie. I, I kind of feel like the spy kids have a little leg up though, because they're like the progeny of like international super spies.
1: Uh-huh.
0: You know, so it's like in their blood. So the things they pull off versus like the other everyman characters, they play off of well except except for Bill Murray. Bill Murray has no idea what he's doing, but like a lot of the other everyman characters that we're gonna talk about are using their personal experience in this situation they've been thrust in. Um so I I kinda wanna like not put a lot of weight on the spy kids because of you know, I guess it, it it's quote unquote in their blood. Um and I I kinda wanna look at uh the both the Hitchcock couples um yeah let's
1: let's see if let's see if we can just knock some contenders out uh yeah uh Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase in uh, nineteen eighty five spies like us, even though technically they do get training um they start out as i mean they're they're still they're just patsies, you know
0: yeah and, and <laughs> I, I didn't
1: see them use any tradecraft almost whatsoever uh right. i want i want just rule them out, Bill Murray. I want to knock out uh, because he's basically made of plot armor. You know, yeah. he's lucky, not good.
0: Right. And even though it's better to be lucky than not good, that, that's not what we do on the show, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> the husband. He's kind of
0: like a Mr. Magoo, you know?
1: Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, even though he's like one of the only characters that we see in spy movies, you know, we always talk about spy movies, like there's so little there's almost never uh, a character arc and Bill Murray actually had one, which was kind of good. You know, he, he finally overcame his, his fear of being on stage in a way. Yes. Great. Uh, Which which, which was cool. But, um, but yeah, in a, in a, in an actual battle of uh, I don't know if, if all these people that we've got left, we'll take the husband and wife team's, from both the 34 and the 56, the man who knew too much and the spy kids, we give them all the same situation to deal with. And Uh, and who do you think deals with it best? You know, I
0: I don't know. Like I, for the 56 and 34 man in too much, I, I think the Doris day, first of all, I don't think the husband's really accomplished too much. I, I think the wives were really, well, the 34, it was all about like how amazing Peter Lorre was as an actor, that, you know, and everything kind of just happened, you know, and, and we were along for the ride, but I, I think Doris Day was far more active as a spy, quote unquote. Um, Just she's the first one that picked up on Louis Bernard. Um, she was the first one that was very concerned about that. You know, she's like that typical wife, like, where she's like picking up on things going on that the husband, you know, the, 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 the happy go love key, like, Oh, everything's fine husband, you know? And she was the one that was really active and like the song, you know, like she played such an active role in the plot, quote unquote, as in solving the the problem, gaining information and using that information to try and solve the issue. I'm, I'm definitely going with Doris Day on this one.
1: Yeah, that's where I arrived as well. I just wanted to throw in a few notes on how I got there. Uh, Between the two husbands, I think Leslie Banks is better than um, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington guy.
0: Jimmy Stewart.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Edna Best does virtually nothing in the movie except cry. But at the very end, she does get to... Like uh save the day with a with a rifle shot, which is nicely oh. set up and something you don't it's it's it kinda satisfying to see in a movie that old. Uh the the filmmaker let the the female just come out of nowhere and like, you know, save the day in, in such yeah. a satisfying way. So I just wanna give her a little little plus by points on being cool. She was a
0: professional shooter, right? Or something. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: and remember, they had uh, she had lost to this guy in a oh, right. yeah. contest at the beginning of the movie, so it's a setup and a payoff that works, right? Uh, um, but yeah, I think I think Doris Day for sure. She's uh, she's not only got you know the weight of the psychological torture of having her child kidnapped, uh, but she's she's fighting through it and she's still keeping her head on her shoulders. Doris yeah. Day best everyman in a spy movie that was covered by us in 2020. Now let's talk about action heroes.
0: Action heroes are kind of difficult for me to kind of point out because a lot of the action in the spread of films we did are kind of over the top. So as far as like the way I'm gauging it, I want to go with something as realistic as possible um, so I kinda wanna knock out the bonds myself and especially Flint, uh, in our man Flint.
1: I agree. The the early bonds that we covered, uh, you know, we did an example of Sean Connery and Roger Moore. They don't I, even though like this guy is the prototypical, he's the homo sapiens of spies in movies, um <laughs> he's he's not doing a lot of spying. Uh, at really at all, he just uh, he kind of seems like the theme is they're gonna send him in to to de- deal with a situation that might turn into an action movie, and so that's why they <laughs> send him because they know he can handle himself if if that stuff comes up. But in the end, he doesn't have a whole lot to do. Uh, I would just say between the two of them, I'm 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 much more pro Roger Moore than. How the fuck am I blanking on the most famous name in fucking history?
0: Sean Connery,
1: right? Sean Connery, um, in that Roger Moore like actually got out there and and did a lot more skiing and and blowing shit up. But uh, right, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think I think they're low on our list, and and they're they're not gonna they're not gonna win this event. Uh, neither is Derek Flint. Um. What does that leave us with? That leaves us with the, uh, we get the parents of the spy kids in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sasuke Saratobi from Samurai Spy, our, our protagonist. And ooh, some toughies, some Nikita, some Jason Bourne, and Lorraine from Atomic Blonde. Yep. Um, I think we can comfortably rule out the parents of the spy kids at this point.
0: I I think that's a good rule out. All right. So now we got, I don't even think they had very much action. It was just like, Hey, kids look away. And then uh, there's a bunch of bodies.
1: (laughs) They weren't particularly good spies either. Uh, So what about this? What about this four that we got here? Uh, I mean, I think, I think, you know, Sasuke, I like as a character but I I think he's the first one I'm going to put my target on on eliminating because he loses his big fight at the end and Mm -hmm. has to get rescued and in another like really important fight like in the middle of the movie he just kind of like passes out
0: yeah that's right yeah.
1: Yeah, a little bit unreliable. I mean, he has his moment.
0: <laughs> right.
1: But I but I think those are two good reasons to rule him out. Uh do you think Nikita belongs in the winner's circle with uh Bourne and Lorraine?
0: Mainly uh I, I agree with you. We might want to check her out next, because I think we got her in our assassin category. She's gonna and show, I yep. think I think my favorite part about her is the sniper scene. And she's gonna be a big contender for that one.
1: That's in the assassins. Um, yeah.
0: That'll, that'll, so I think a better assassin. Uh so I think it really comes down to Lorraine and Bourne.
1: And this is the conversation and, I want to have.
0: Yeah. I I think that's a tough one. I mean you go first. A, a lot of the action in Bourne is pretty realistic. It's a little over the top, but not like compared to like Bond or like Flint. Um but uh, what I loved about Atomic Blonde was how a lot a lot of that action was super realistic, and people got tired. Other than that, that shot where she jumps out of the balcony with like a rope and doesn't like have her arm dislocated or ripped off. Um, so I, th- this is kind of a tough one for me. Now let's I, uh,
1: let's let's be sure we stipulate because Bourne's got you know like five movies to draw on, but since we're talking about. Spies like us in 2020. We're only going to focus on anything he did in Supremacy, and one thing he does have going for him is he's a crazy good driver. Yeah, and that's something crazy Lorraine. Great. That's something Lorraine doesn't have, or at least doesn't demonstrate.
0: Right. Um. I I kind of want to say Lorraine should take this because of her use of improvised weapons. Um. I think. Born the action he does, was... He does a,
1: a, he does a fair amount of that too, though, but keep going.
0: He does, but it was just overwhelming in Atomic Blonde. There was a lot of improvised weapons, and I think against the type of dudes that she was against, she needed them because of their size and, and training, and just it was very clever use. Uh, but Born, a lot of his stuff was a lot of more trade craft or tech based versus we got a lot more action out of atomic blonde. So like if they had to fight, I don't really know who would win. Uh, Cause it seems like born had a lot more firearms going on that he solved his issues with where like Lorraine had a lot of firearms going on, but then like she was up against big firefights and it came down to like close quarters hand to hand combat. And I don't know, I I just think she was really clever with the way that she used improvised weapons. The keys, the hot plate, you know, walls in general. I think she was far more aware, not that Bourne wouldn't have been, but the film told us and showed us that action. So I don't know, I I wanna go with Lorraine from Atomic Bond.
1: One thing going into this that I I had to really investigate, interrogate myself is to make sure I set aside because I really love watching women kick ass on film,
0: I really <laughs> do. so
1: I had to really be sure. Like I tried to not let that prejudice me, and mm-hmm. you know, also you gotta. I mean, there's a reason you don't have women and men fighting each other in the UFC. Uh, you know, there's just a, a muscle mass differential there that uh, you know is is hard to overcome uh, at the End of the day, I think character-wise, I think it's a fucking tie. But I think no, <laughs> I, I do, I do. Um, I can't. I, I, if you ask me to bet on a fight, you know, between <laughs> Jason and Charlie <laughs> and Lorraine, like I, I, it, I can't call it. But I, but I have landed on what my tiebreaker is. Uh, mm-hmm. my tiebreaker is that the Bourne movies are super, super fast cut action. And I don't think Matt Damon, I think, you know, as a character on screen, this is why this. I'm going into a tiebreaker mode. I'm stepping outside a little bit, the rules of the game. Yeah. I, I don't think that Matt Damon had to put anywhere near as close, as much work as Charlie's Theron did in order to film those action scenes. You know, she oh, was, I completely agree. Uh, she was sparring with, uh, you know, uh, Keanu Reeves while he was working on his uh, uh, what's we call it movies, where they killed his uh, dog,
0: John Wick, yeah, yeah the John, John Wick, Wick. movies.
1: I, like they were sparring partners.
0: Oh, really? I didn't know that. That's crazy. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, you know, and the whole thing, the whole beauty of the the big, huge, beautiful, which I I think is the best fight scene of all time. Uh, which might alone give it to Lorraine but also that it's done even though there's a lot of like jiggering with you know camera stuff but I think it took them like four days to film that fight so Mm -hmm. that's that's how I'm gonna get to Lorraine and that's how I'm gonna join you in crowning her the best action hero that we have covered in 2020 in a spy movie of course, action is just, you know, it's it's one flavor of spy movie. Oh, and let's, I mean, let's not forget, like, next, by the time we do this again next year, at that point, we will have done, I think, probably a Mission Impossible movie. And when it comes to being yeah. an action hero, Tom Cruise is just going to come in and say, like, fuck y'all.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs>
1: um, but, um, but, yeah, in more serious spy movies... Uh, you've got the infiltrator, uh, the person that sneaks in, pretends to be someone else and gathers information and, uh, ultimately, I don't know, betrays the trust of the people that he purports to be working for he or she, of
0: course. I liked, I liked that we categorize this as the infiltrator. Cause I noticed some of them, most of them are moles, but some of them are like the guy that gets into the thing. And isn't necessarily a mole, you know? So I think this was a great classification for this. Um, you know, you look at like Tom Hardy, who who is basically just getting in and, uh, uh, you know, putting on, you know, the persona that he did, you know, or... Uh, like uh who, who, like like Brad Pitt where he wasn't a mole he just kind of like I, I think we had to classify these together just because of going in and putting on a persona <clears throat> so uh i think it was a great idea on your part to make this an infiltrator category
1: can um, i can i can i flag two that i think we should rule out of contention even though they they i i want to flag two as being Purely ridiculous, yeah,
0: okay. uh,
1: and and both of these involve spoiler alerts. Uh, so, you know, I'll give you five, four, three, two. Skip ahead. I don't know one minute.
0: Uh,
1: Lorraine infiltrated. We're led to believe Lorraine infiltrated both the MI6 and the KGB, right? As a CIA <laughs> agent yeah (laughs) now on paper that sounds amazing and how could you not say she's the best infiltrator on the other hand i actually didn't buy it and i didn't like it and it's not exactly what happened in the comic book and honestly i thought it was just a stupid hollywood way of of fitting her into i i just i don't know i i i didn't like the the reveal at the end of atomic blonde
0: um yeah, the only person that ever pulled something off like that that we know of is the real Kim Philby, and I don't think it would have been as easy as Atomic Blonde pointed out. I also want to put Kevin Costner in No Way Out as an infiltrator. That was that the way. other
1: one. Yep,
0: yep. Because that was silly. It was like the the reveal really wasn't like, what, what was this for? I don't I don't understand. And there, I mean, like even though. Thinking about it, like backtracking and going, oh, wow, he being in the situation puts a lot more weight into the problem that he's facing. But it was just from the story that were presented kind of was kind of a cop out as far as I'm concerned.
1: Right. So that's why I want to set aside Lorraine and Yuri uh, out of contention on a technicality of, just, yeah. of just being movie <laughs> bullshit, even though like if you if you buy what they did like they're like the greatest infiltrators of all fucking time
0: yeah right <laughs> yeah.
1: now the list that we are left with um i actually thought like one way we could narrow this down is to uh talk about like who actually who actually got caught uh louis bernard in both in 34 both. right in both of them he gets caught
0: Yeah, especially in the 34, I definitely don't want that Louis even in contention because he just went to dance and got himself shot. And then in 56, we don't see what got him caught, and he's like still in disguise. But from the bus scene, I would think he's much more capable than that unless someone higher up sold them out or something, which we're not given. So I, I think ruling out both Louis Bernards is a good idea. Even though if you listen and go back and watch the bus scene in uh Man oh in that's much, a good one yeah. yeah where he's like eliciting information from jimmy stewart and doris day it was it was great um but yeah i think that's a good rule out right off the bat uh
1: next on my chop list is uh mitsuaki inamura who we nicknamed the dirty guy uh, so yeah. There were so many <laughs> Japanese names. We had to give them all nicknames in order to keep our shit straight in a uh, samurai spy. Uh I know you were like really down on him for just, you know, getting drunk and whoring around when he right. like, should have been handling his business.
0: Yeah, it was way too early to start celebrating. Like he basically infiltrated and found ways to get information and profit off of them. And just before he finished the job, he just, yeah. Starts going to party. So I, I I think that's a good rule out right off the bat.
1: Other people who eventually got caught, uh, in our, in our narrowing list here, uh, Kim Philby gets caught. Do you think, do you want to rule him out or keep him in?
0: Uh, we're talking about the Good Shepherd's portrayal of Kim Philby? That's the one, yes. Uh, Kim Philby, uh, yeah, uh character's name was Arch Cummings, played by Billy Crudup. I think we should leave him in the contenders because of the damage he dealt. Okay. Um, I think most moles get caught eventually.
1: Right, yeah. See, I also wanted to mention that. Like, you're you're right is uh you know even even if they did get caught if they managed to do a huge amount of damage along the way mm-hmm. you know cuz bill gets caught in tinker tailor soldier spy but i i wouldn't want to rule him out so no
0: i mean he got john hurt kind of quote unquote retired you know uh and he he put up a lot of damage against the mi6 um i think yeah I I uh, I I kind of want to leave him in.
1: Maybe we should maybe we should uh try to hit these by eliminations from here. I think I think we got I think we got 8 unless uh if we're going to keep the defector, uh Tatawaki Koryama, uh are we going to keep him in the ring?
0: Well, he kind of set up the whole situation that kind of throws a wrench in everything. You know, uh I think we had some complaints about him though like he got himself in a lot of trouble and yeah you know like I think the whole chain going down I don't I don't know that he really accomplished a whole lot other than setting the wheels in motion and those wheels kind of accomplished a lot but he kind of was like I'm not doing this anymore type of thing so I, I don't I don't I, I think we should kind of knock him out I think okay. it's
1: a good one to work out. Yeah. All right, I got a, I got a way we could, we could, we could winnow this field. We'll do some eliminations. Uh, what we're gonna say is like the two characters have both infiltrated the same organization. Which one gets caught first? Uh, and I'll start with Yevgeny and Brad Pitt's character in Spy Game. If you gave these guys a similar mission, right? And they need to stay undetected, but also provide useful intelligence back to their bosses. Which right. one of them? Which one of them gets caught first? Evgeny I would say Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt. I agree. I
0: would, I, and and one of the reasons, like you could argue that Brad Pitt was acting out of emotion, uh, which was probably his first mistake or whatever. He wasn't really thinking clearly, I guess. Um, I so would argue sure. that.
1: And that's right. and that's why I would that's why I would knock him out and give it to Yevgeny.
0: But you could also say, okay, well, that's one instance. Let's say that we both put him on a professional job who would come out. And I want to say still Brad Pitt because he's the one that left uh Robert Redford. He was kind of like the naive, like, I'm not doing this anymore and hadn't learned everything, versus Yevgeny was like on point all the time. And the one time he kind of got caught in episode two. He got off and he got away, you know. So I, I think we should knock out Brad Pitt for sure.
1: I agree. Let's just keep it going. So, and and roll it along with uh, Yevgeny versus Matt Damon
0: in the departed. In, in the
1: departed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, well, both, Matt Damon they're both going to cover caught. that's yeah. true. That's true.
0: Um, but I think Matt Damon was in much deeper cover than Yevgeny, yeah. And he was really smart about it, and the only reason Matt Damon got caught is because Leo was at his level, doing the same thing, you know, and and I don't even think Leo didn't even know it was him until one accidental thing he spotted the note. So, I I I don't know. I think Yevgeny's still gonna probably. That's a tough one.
1: I I'll, I will say I'm going to root for Yevgeny because I felt like I learned more about Tradecraft from watching him than I did uh, from watching Matt Damon's character. I think Yevgeny well, is much more skilled and highly trained.
0: And much better at improvisation. And most of Matt Damon's cover was set up by Frank, right? Versus Yevgeny is kind of off on his own, just passing information. So, I, yeah, I think we should keep Yevgeny and knock out Matt Damon from The Departed.
1: All right. You have Genny going up against another character, uh, Tom Hardy's character in Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy.
0: I think this one's going to be easier because Tom Hardy was made before he even knew it. In fact, I think you and I both have a theory that uh, that the Russian agent that she was developing wasn't just a girlfriend and she had already made Tom Hardy and was trying to climb up or either she was trying to get away from intelligence and have a new life in america but she had him made before he had her made or before he realized she had him made so i think we should knock out tom hardy on that one even though i loved how he figured out that one guy was just a jack off and then was playing this whole like yeah i'm just like a like a flashy american out on holiday you know or, or flashy british dude just out on holiday you know whatever like I, I, I think I think I, yeah, I think we can knock out Tom Hardy and keep Evgeny in.
1: Alright. So just to stop Yevgeny's role for a second, let's let's keep him in in the finals. Let's let's uh-huh. rocket him to the finals and let's pit some other characters against each other uh you know, for fun. Uh so let's start with uh Jane Malloy, Miss Sloan's mole in the Miss Sloan movie versus Leonardo DiCaprio in The Departed Ooh. well she
0: actually never got caught
1: that's true she's got that going (laughs) for and she lives which (laughs) Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't
0: yeah uh, but I think Leo was in a much more dangerous situation infiltrating the mob right and he was really really improvisate he was able to like keep his head he's the one that decided not to turn in the social security information and then light his way through um he's got a lot right
1: he's got a lot more actions per minute that he needs to do jane malloy just needs to sit there and like i mean she does it brilliantly she plays it fantastically nobody ever doubts her for a second Ever. until the big reveal at the end. Yeah, so she's mad. playing the character
0: perfectly. She mad. she was set in to work against Sloan the whole time, and that's exactly what she did.
1: So, mad props for her. But I'm feeling, from what you're saying, I think we want to give it to L Caps because he's got, again, like so much more like uh, <laughs> fucking shit to worry about <laughs> and moves right. that he needs to make. Uh, right, to, 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 to stay alive in the game so let's give it to El Caps and then okay. let's uh then let's go ahead let's uh pit him against Bill in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy
0: Bill got caught Leo never got caught he 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 finished his job and came in uh but we were talking about damage done right Bill did a hell of a lot more damage than I think Leo did because we're talking about toppling an entire government intelligence agency.
1: He's playing, Bill is playing at a much higher level, right? Yeah, I think think his
0: life is a, a lot more dangerous. Leo's facing big danger every day, but I think Bill's up against much bigger hitters, right? Even though Frank. Even though it's scary, Frank's got the FBI on his team. You know, that's a tough one. It's funny, you
1: you know, they have in common the fact that they both get killed by someone that they trusted, right? At the end, yeah. Because even after Bill gets caught, like you know, Mark Strong's still got a a bill to settle. (laughs) 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 Ha ha. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, that's a tough one.
1: It is a tough one. Um, I'll i go with I'll go I'll go with Bill because he's playing in deeper waters.
0: Yeah. I, I I well if 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 that's the case, I think we can knock out Yevgeny then.
1: Well, no, 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 have Yevgeny's. No, 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 I think Yevgeny's going to the finals. I think okay. we already established that. Okay. So but right now we'll we'll take Bill we'll take Bill along in his fight for the championship and uh who do we have left to pit him against is uh Kim Philby unless we already did that
0: Uh we we we
1: did we put Yevgeny against Kim Philby? I don't think we did.
0: No, no, we just made sure to go over his name and we were having trouble right. knocking out so we started yeah uh
1: so let's see how, what do, you, what do you think? How does Bill, who's fictional, measure up against Kim Philby, who is historical?
0: Arch Cummings?
1: They're pretty close.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, if we're going off the Good Shepherd, um, the character Arch Cummings didn't do a whole lot compared to what Bill did. Um, I think Bill's werewolf game was, like, off the charts. his uh-huh. Arch Cummings' game was more like just playing off of Ulysses' handler. I Ulysses' handler name, but, like, it was that master plan that he was kind of playing off of. And he kind of already had a lot of people in the bag, you know, from the get-go. I don't know. Bill is playing off of Carla's master plan. I think I want to go with Bill, mainly because Bill's werewolf game himself was way above Arch Cummings' game.
1: Final fight. Yevgeny, yeah. <laughs> Yevgeny versus Bill.
0: I think I want to go with Bill again. I, I think Evgeny is kind of like a, a lower level of collection. Um, and But, I, like again, I wouldn't really call Yevgeny like a mole because he's kind of just getting into, like, American society – the the things that he had to do to keep himself safe you know his code matching and all that other stuff this is this is kind of a tough one
1: i think i no i think it's i think it's bill because you know uh you know even though they're they're not fighting with within the same organization um Mm -hmm. the stuff that we see evgeny do is the stuff that bill did when he was much younger Oh, I see. Like, when he was coming up in the ranks. You know, Evgeny is a talented, uh, you know, up-and-comer. Bill Uh is an old professional that, like, really wormed his way all the way into the highest levels.
0: Well, if we're going to compare it that way, then let's think, would Bill... Be better at that level when he was at that level. I, I think Bill would take it because Bill's kind of got a nonchalant type of persona that kind of expels kind of suspicion versus like Evgeny's like always looking over his shoulder type of thing. But I don't know if that came through experience from Bill, but if you look kind of at the flashbacks, Bill's already kind of on point. Yeah, I I think I think Bill should take it.
1: I think we're giving it to Bill best infiltrator in a movie that spies like us podcast covered in 2020 yep <laughs> uh with you know some proper some proper respect to some of these other really great infiltrators uh it's a it's a dangerous job and it often leads to some very nail-biting suspense and drama All right, let's cut it there. We had some fun talking about our 2020 roster of movies and also pitting many of our spy movie characters against each other in our spy versus spy competition. Next week, we will finish up with some more spy versus spy, including the categories of handler, analyst, assassin, and puppet master.
0: We hope you're enjoying our little Spy versus Spy retrospective. We have more coming up next week. And as always, the best way to make sure you don't miss out on that is to hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Google, or your favorite podcast app. Also, you can find updates on our Facebook page or website, spieslikeus.net. And don't forget, both of those are great places to see our entire roster of spy characters that we're pitting up against each other. And uh, if you have any strong opinions of your own or you kind of pissed off that somebody was left off.
1: Or you, you
0: guys got it totally wrong. Uh, you can definitely hit us up and flame on us all day on Facebook or shoot us an email.
1: Nothing uh, would make me happier.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We, we would love to have that discussion. And um, also, don't forget, go to spieslikeus.net slash spy versus spy. That's spy vs spy. You can see the entire roster and different categories of uh, everybody we're pitting up against each other, um, as well as links to the episodes that we discussed for that film. I love it. The preceding transmission sampled the songs Ice Cold by Audio Nautics, Enter the Party by Kevin McLeod, and sound effects from Freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at Spies Editing by Todd Hostetler.